0: Heavenly Father, we bow here before you again this morning. We thank you for this time. We pray that you would answer uh, these prayers in your own way, Father. We're trusting you for these results. And so, Lord, as we lift them up, we are expressing our faith in you, that you would answer these prayers. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for this church, Father. We thank you for so many blessings in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. While they're being seated, let me make a public service announcement, okay? Um, we even told you before there's going to be a Promise Keepers meeting at the end of July. Um, it'll be July the 31st and August the 1st. That'll be a Friday night and a Saturday morning. And we want to invite and try to get as many of our guys to go as we can. There's a sign-up sheet out on the foyer there in the on the Welcome Center. Um, we are a little confused because we thought you could sign up online, but you can't. We have to sign up as a group, so we're asking you to sign up on that sheet. Let us know that you're going, okay, and we will take care of getting everybody registered at one time. We've got, we've got hotel rooms reserved. Don't let money be an object, okay? If you want to go, you just come and see me. We'll make sure you get there, but I do want to make sure that all of you come. There's probably going to be 80,000 guys at uh, Texas Stadium, so... It'll be a, it'll be an experience. If you've never been, you need to come. I really want to encourage you to do that. Okay. Back in 1990, when I was serving over in Dallas or uh, the Soto area, um, we started the prison ministry like we do here, where we go into prisons. And I've kept this card since then. Uh, that's 30 years ago. And this card is one of the cards that you fill out when you go into the prison with the Bill Glass Ministry. You. Kind of give a little summary and let them have it and and, uh, make a copy of it for them. Now, I want to share with you, and this will become uh, apparent to you in a moment while I'm doing this, but there are some names on here. I'm not going to tell you the full names because you might be related to them, but these are prisoners, okay? And so um, let me just share a little bit with you because this was one of those weekends that sticks out in, in your memory and that you, um, and, and obviously it did to me, I've, got, I've kept these. And i made little notations beside each of these names. For example, when I went in there, first gentleman that I came up to a cell and sat down on the floor, and he was sitting there and we were just talking, his name was Ed. And I've got a little notation that says that Ed was a very shy guy, and he did not believe that anybody could love him. And I began to explain the gospel to him, and Ed was just it was like pouring gas on a flame. This guy just accepted it readily. Now, you know how you, you've heard this term before? There are people that get saved, and then there are people that get gloriously saved. And, and the difference is the response. You're, you're saying, in effect, uh, people come to Christ by faith in Christ, but then there are people who come to Christ by faith in Christ, and they just are excited. You can just tell. You know. You can see the Spirit of God in them. This is what happened to me that weekend. So Ed readily accepted the gospel and was so appreciative of me coming by and talking to him. The next one was Michael. Michael was the same way. Michael responded quickly, heard the gospel message, had a few questions, and led him through that. We prayed together, and he, again, was just teary-eyed and just overwhelmed with God's grace. The next cell I go to, there's two young men in it, Chester and Gary. Now, these are young men. They were very respectful. I'm reading my notes here, and... They had a lot of questions, and I can remember remember these two guys. One was very talkative, and the other one wasn't, but I remember talking to the one that was talkative. The other one is obviously paying attention, and they had good questions and a lot of questions about faith and, and things that people normally ask about how do you know for sure and how did creation occur and all these things that you hear people talk about, and they, too, knelt together, and we prayed, and they accepted the Lord as their Savior. Now, about this time, I am on a roll. You've got to understand, the response of the individual just excites you to no end. And I'm on a roll here. I'm just thinking, my goodness. I mean, this is like shooting ducks in a barrel, you know. You just People are just coming to Christ. The next guy I come to, he's this big black guy. He's sitting behind the, the bars. He's standing up. He's got his hands on the bars and his head up against the bars just looking at people go by And so I walk up to this guy, he must be 6'4 and about 300 pounds, he's huge. And I'm thinking to myself, oh goodness, well his name is Danny, and I've got notations here, Danny, a big guy. He lived in Dallas, he was kind of cold at the beginning, kind of suspicious, like why are you here, I don't understand who you are, why would you come into prison to tell me anything? And as he warmed up to me, he began to have a lot of questions. A lot of questions about spiritual things and about life and so forth. And as he did, I began to answer them for him. And you could just begin to see his countenance change. And as we began to talk more, he too came to Christ. Now, you've got you to picture this, okay? This huge guy, so intimidating, sitting there with tears coming down his eyes. As he is praying to receive Christ and just thanking me over and over for coming and talking to him. I don't know the outcome of what happened to these guys later on and what occurred in their lives, but I have come to realize since that day that these were what we call in in Christian terms divine appointments. They were appointments where God had repaired them and God brought me in, or it could be anybody, and just things happened and and you could just see the hand of God in this, these events, these men. Now let me give you a definition before we go any further of what I think that a divine appointment is. So let me read this to you. It says, it is an encounter or meeting that might initially seem to be random, but it soon is soon recognized as having been caused by God. It's a meeting with somebody where you encounter this person, and it may not be that you're talking. It may just be an act of kindness that you're showing. God brings this person across your path. You pick up a guy out there hitchhiking one night, and you take him to get some gas in his car or something, and it's an act of kindness, and it seems like it may be random. But you learn that God has orchestrated this and God has initiated this, and so they're referred to as divine appointments or divine encounters. Now, today, in the time we have remaining, what I want to do is this. I want to press home the truth that these encounters are indeed divinely ordained and that God schedules them for you. In other words, God puts them on a schedule, his schedule, and he orchestrates the circumstances and the events of life so that you, his servant end up talking to or ministering to or reaching out to that person at that particular time because that's how God has planned it. That is a divine appointment. Now, it is crucial that you and I understand this, and it will become apparent to you in a moment. But um, that's what I want you to understand, that the Spirit has prepared these people, and God has drawn you into the circumstances. Now, It's imperative that as we go into this, that you understand this truth. Now listen, the truth is this, that the Spirit of God has to prepare and he has to draw everyone who's going to respond to Christ. In other words, if when a person responds or when a person just hears what you have to say and the seed is planted, if the Spirit of God is not dealing with that person, then it's, as the Bible says, falling on rocky soil, and it's not taking root. But you need to understand the importance of this because if God doesn't prepare their heart and set the appointment and work in, in the circumstances of that event, then the results are going to be different. But I want you to see this. Now look at this verse, for example, in John chapter 6, verse 44. It says this, that no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him and I will raise them up at the last day. Now he's telling you very plainly, nobody is going to come to Christ unless the Spirit of God is working on them. That's his job. And he sets the appointment for you and me to then keep. And we don't always know when those are. And that's the beauty of this. Because we don't know it, but as we uh, seek to obey God and do what God has called us to do, we begin to see the hand of God in these appointments, and these encounters. Let me give you some illustrations from Scripture. One of the greatest illustrations of a divine appointment is found in the book of Acts. It's in Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 31. It's the story of the Ethiopian eunuch. Let me just read you this portion of it. It says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, which means Queen of Ethiopia. The, the man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in a chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Now watch this, okay? Because the angel said, go, and once he goes, there's no indication that he even knows why. He just obeyed. And as he's going, he sees the Ethiopian eunuch sitting in the chariot. And the spirit then says to him, in some audible voice maybe, or just impresses upon him, it's hard, we don't know. But he says, you go over there and stand by that chariot. And so it says in the next verse, then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked. And the man said, how can I? How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the story goes on. Philip sits with him, explains Christ from the book of Isaiah. The man receives Christ, is born again, and is baptized. That was an appointment that God had set for Philip to keep. Philip was obedient. The man is saved, and that was the divine encounter. There's another, several in the scriptures. Listen to this one. This is Paul had been preaching. And in Acts chapter 13, verse 48, it says, When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord, and all who were appointed for eternal life believed. Now, what is that talking about? Well, I believe that it's talking about these divine appointments. Those whose appointment was set for that day. God in his sovereignty says, today is your day. And Paul went and preached the gospel, and they responded because the Spirit of God had already prepared them, and they were ready. All God needed, now listen, all God needed was a witness. You see, God needed Paul, or somebody, whomever he chose, to go and be the mouthpiece. And God did this. In the book of John is another one where Jesus goes to the well to, to meet the woman. Remember that one? John chapter 4, verse 4, it says this. Now, he had to go through Samaria. Now, this is just a little statement in the passage there talking about this. He didn't have to go through Samaria. As a matter of fact, this is the odd way to go. He would have never gone through Samaria otherwise. They didn't go through Samaria. They always went around it to get to Galilee. But it says here that he had to go through Samaria. Why? Because God the Father had set an appointment that Jesus had to keep the woman at the well. And so he meets her. He talks with her. She asks questions. He explains the gospel. She believes. And then she runs to town to tell everybody. And in verse 39 of the same chapter, it says this. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did, she said. But because of her testimony, her witness, the whole town is saved. It's really an odd, if you think about it, odd. Because this woman was immoral. This woman was a social outcast. This woman goes into town and begins to say, come and see, this has got to be the Messiah because he told me everything I've ever done. And they believed her. That's the odd thing about it. Why? Because God is in it. And God is working. And so they come out, and it's just a revival. Along with that same story, though, there's another part to that. When she goes into town to tell the townspeople, the disciples come back because they had gone to get food. And he's talking to them, and he makes this statement in verse 39. He said, nope, wrong one. Oh, that's further down. I'm getting ahead of myself, okay? Let me back up. I want to go to chapter, Luke chapter 19, verse 5. This is Zacchaeus. It says, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. What do you mean he must stay? Well, he's saying, I've got an appointment. You don't know about it, but I know about it. God the Father has established it. It's an encounter with you to bring you to faith, to talk to you about the gospel, and I've got to keep it. Now, this is language like this is throughout the New Testament. Jesus had to go here. Jesus had to do this and so forth because the appointments had already been set. Now, along this same line, I want to share with you several things that I want you to remember. About this. These are truths that you need to be aware of that I want you to take to heart and I want you to think about, okay? Here's the first one. Number one is this that a divine encounter is not defined by the result of the meeting. A divine encounter is not defined by the result of the meeting. Now, here's what we do we have this tendency to look at a situation (laughs) that happened and we conclude based on what happened, that that was a divine appointment, a divine encounter, because something wonderful happened. There's nothing wrong with that, because that certainly would be a, a way of judging it. But here's the problem. Because all the other times where we are involved with sharing our faith or our testimony or ministering to somebody or reaching out and being kind to somebody, all of those times, if the result isn't very positive... We conclude that God wasn't in it. See? And that's not necessarily true. Let me show you. When I was in prison that weekend, there was a sixth man that I talked to. Sixth man. His name was Danny. And Danny was in prison for 25 years for armed robbery. Young man, very intelligent. He and I talked for an hour, hour and a half. Man, we talked. I just sat there with him, laser-focused on this guy. He would ask questions. We would talk. And he would begin to move toward, like, maybe he's thinking about this. Maybe the Lord's working on him. And then he would back up. said, oh, no, no. Listen, I can't believe. I can't believe that. I'm not going to accept that. We went on like this, like I said, for an hour, hour and a half. As I left... I got his permission to write him. I said, let me write you a letter and and just send you some stuff and talk to you further. So he said, okay. So I did. I probably sent him three letters over a period of months following that, that weekend. And in those letters, I would quote verses and I would explain further the gospel, explain God's love for him and grace and so forth. And finally, one day I received a letter back and here's what it said. It said, Dave, I think you're just wasting your time on me, so I would appreciate it if you wouldn't write anymore. And I thought, good grief. All this time that I've wasted. See, I've wasted hours sitting there talking to him when I could have been talking to somebody else that day in prison. Hours wasted writing letters and thinking about him and even praying for him for him to then tell me that he didn't want to hear any more about it and to just go away. And at that moment, I felt like a complete failure. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, I'm thinking, God, the first five, you were all present. You know, we're all over that. And then this one, where were you? Well, the fault was mine for assuming that God wasn't in it. You see? Let me read you this verse. In John chapter four, and this is the verse I jumped ahead of a while ago, just the rest of the story on the woman at the well. "The men come back, the disciples. The woman isn't there. Here's what Jesus said in John 4:35 through 37. He said this. He says, "Don't you have a saying? It is still four months until harvest? But I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest." Now what is he talking about? He's talking about those townspeople that are on their way out there. He's saying, guys, you better pay attention because you're about to be right in the middle of a great harvest because they're coming. And then he makes this statement in verse 36. He says, even now the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps. Is true. Wait a minute. What's he saying? He's saying, look, God the Father has set up appointments here. And there are going to be people coming and there's going to be a great harvest and you're going to be a part of it. And then there will be many that come out to hear what's been said and they won't respond, but that's okay because some of you are going to sow seeds that may come to fruition later on. And some of you are going to reap a harvest and win souls to Christ today. But either way, God did it. So there just might be a time when God leads you to a divine appointment to talk to somebody like Danny who doesn't respond, but yet it's still a divine appointment. Because, you see, God orchestrated it. And God needs people who at times in their lives just plant seeds. Paul Paul said this. He said, look, he said, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it later on, and God eventually brought the increase. In other words, we're all part of this process. God established appointments for me to keep where I planted seeds, spiritual seeds in the lives of people when I shared the gospel with them. They didn't respond. They were like Danny. And later on, somebody else come along and they say something, and that person listens and it clicks a little more and the Spirit draws them a little closer, and then eventually somebody else comes along and the harvest takes place. Who had the divine appointment? All of them. All of them. Because in the process of reaching people, God uses us in various ways and He sets those appointments and He establishes the times, He prepares the hearts, and you and I are called upon just to be obedient and do what God called us to do. And there are times when we have to do that. We don't understand the outcome. A divine encounter is any encounter into which the Lord leads you when you get right down to it. If God has set this time for me to plant the seeds in somebody's life, then I do that, understanding that this is what God has assigned me to do. And there'll be times when you harvest the fruit. Some of you guys are getting in more involved in the local jail ministry here. You're going to talk to people. You're going to, some of you are going today. You're going to be hearing and talking to people, and you're going to be just planting seeds. Don't you dare think that you are failed because nobody responds, because God right now is establishing appointments for you to keep. And there will be those people that need to hear what you have to say. This brings me to point number two, and that is this, that you may never know in this life just how God has used you. You may never know in this life how God has used you. And see, this is the beauty of this, because we want to judge the importance and and the validity of the meeting. We'll say, that was a bust because nothing happened. And we need to back off from thinking this and thinking You know what? God is in this, too, because the Word of God never returns void. And if I am doing what God has told me to do, then God's going to take that seed and going to bring fruit someday, and I may never, ever see it. And I've got to be okay with that. And I've got to stop thinking that because my efforts have not produced visible fruit, that somehow God's not using it. You know, I have this hope that someday I'll be in heaven. And that when I'm there, and I'm not hoping about heaven, but I'm hoping for the situation, okay? Yeah. But I'm hoping that someday when I'm in heaven, that Danny's there. And old Danny comes up to me and says, You remember me? I'm the guy that gave you such a hard time and told you don't write me anymore. And I want you to know that I'm here today because of the seeds that you planted. And somebody else came along years later, and I responded. But if you hadn't planted those seeds, I wouldn't be here. I had a lady come into my office six or seven years ago. I've never forgotten this. She came in on several occasions, and I talked to her. I gave her every verse I could think of, talked to her, reasoned with her, pleaded with her about salvation. She walked out of my office having rejected it. Months go by. I guess six months later, she comes back into my office, and she's just beaming because she went to another church because of some program her kids were in, and she got established there, and the preacher sat down with her and led her to Christ. She came back to thank me, which I thought was outstanding that that she understood this process. She thanked me because she said, it's because of all the things you said to me that even made me want to go talk to that other guy. Because, see, God had to take time to let things sort of marinate, you know? And that happens with us. We listen to things, and we we reject them or don't understand them, so it has to take a little time. Here's the third thing, very quickly. You are not responsible for the results. I've told you this over and over again. I hope it, it finally sinks in at some point. You're not responsible for what God is doing. It's not about you. And the sooner you learn this, the more apt you're going to be to keep the appointments. This is the work of the Spirit of God in the person's life. And you love on them, you encourage them, you you help them, you share with them, whatever God leads you to do. And God takes it and uses it. Now because, listen to me, because it's the work of the Holy Spirit, you need to understand that you can never fail. Oh my gosh, please learn this. We want to judge everything that we do on a pass-fail. They didn't respond. They were mean to me. They didn't like what I had to say. I made them angry, blah, blah, blah. I must have failed. And you've got to understand that you don't fail because God in the end is the one that does this. So why are you afraid? The number one reason that people don't get involved in the lives of other people That they don't keep these appointments. They have they feel this churning in their heart, this stirring in their soul that says, You need to help this person, you need to talk with this person, you need to and the number one reason that they don't is because they don't want to mess it up. I'll fail, and that person may go to hell because of me. No, they're not. Nobody is ever gonna go to hell because you of you. It's their choice, their rejection, so forth. But God says, I need a mouthpiece. I need loving hands. I need compassion. And you're the one that I've scheduled this appointment for. And so I need you to do what you do. And whether it's sowing or reaping or whatever it is, just be obedient and do it. And understand that the results are on me, God says, not on you. Here's the fourth thing. I'm moving quick here, okay? God will always schedule appointments for you to keep. He always does. Now, it's up to us to see them, but God is in the business of saying, okay, Dave's going to be over here, and so-and-so's going to be there, and I'm going to bring them together, and are going to be some seeds planted. This is God's business, okay? God does that. God does that every day for you. I really believe that. And there'll be some way in which you're touching another life that God wants to use you in that way. But we don't because we've convinced ourselves God can't use me. I don't really have anything to offer. You need to stop looking at what you don't have. Start looking at what you do. you got a mouth. you got a loving heart. You've got kind hands. You reach out to people and you touch their lives. And you're the one with the faith problem. I've learned this over the years, guys. I'm talking about me too here. That when we don't speak up, when we don't reach out, when we don't go and when we don't try to touch their lives... We're basically saying, I don't believe that God's going to do this, and I'm going to mess it up, so I don't go. You're the one with the faith problem, and you need to know that. I know it's harsh words, but you need to hear it. He'll always schedule appointments for you to keep. All right, very quickly, four quick bullet points I want to leave you with. This is in the way of a challenge, okay? Number one, you need to expect God to use you. Expect that God's going to use you. If you're convinced that, yes, God will use me, then you're going to look for those opportunities and you're going to be listening to the Spirit of God. If you leave here today and you're convinced in your heart that God will never use me, you'll never look. And so you've got to be convinced. and Believe it, that God wants to use you. Here's the second thing. And that is this, that you need to be prepared. Now, wait a minute, you just told me you didn't depend on me. Uh, no, I'm not saying that uh, it, it still doesn't depend on you. But remember, okay, if I'm the instrument that God uses, then God can only use what I have to offer. If I don't <coughs> have answers, if I don't know the verses, if I don't know how to respond to people, then God can only use what I have. But think what God would Do what God could accomplish if I had more to offer. You think to yourself, well, I don't know how to lead somebody to Christ. Then learn. I don't know what verses to use. Then learn. Memorize four or five verses that are key verses and just all you have to know. I don't know about attract. Then learn. Practice it. Because God is going to use what you give him. And here's what I want you to see, is that the more you have in your arsenal of knowledge and experience and abilities and so forth, the more you've committed to memory and that sort of thing, then the more that God can use. And when God starts using it, you're going to want more of it and it's amazing how God in his in his sovereignty works through the situations that I encounter on a everyday basis and touches lives that I would have never imagined but God does it. Here's the third thing, okay? And that is to keep reminding yourself that you can't fail. I've talked about this. Just keep reminding, I cannot fail. I won't it's not it's impossible. If you speak, you've succeeded. God said go witness, go tell He never said go save. Just do it. And you've succeeded. And you'll grow from there. Fourth and final thing is this. Learn from your mistakes and keep going. You're going to make the mistakes. You learn from those. That's how you get better at anything. You know, when I encountered the boy Danny, I thought to myself, where did I go wrong? What could I have done differently? Well, there are some things I could have done differently. It doesn't guarantee the outcome would have been different. But we all look at things and we think, I should have answered that better. I forgot about that. I should have said this. We all do that. Don't let that keep you from doing it. You may feel like a failure, but you're not. You are not because it's a divine appointment. God says to you and me, just keep it. That's all he wants is just to keep it. That's my prayer. Think about this, guys, okay? Just think about this. If in the course of your day, every one of us would be sensitive to the people around us and listening to the Spirit of God to say, okay, listen, you need to go over by the chariot over there, and you need to listen to what's being said you need to go over there by the water fountain or whatever you need to be if this person is down and sad then you need to find out why you need to get involved in their lives you need to touch them in some way emotionally and spiritually if we start doing this we will impact people and this is what god has called all of us to do god makes the appointments but it's up to us to keep them that's my prayer that as a church we would do that. We would be that kind of of a church. I want to share with you one last verse, then we're going to close it up. And here it is. If you're here this morning and you would like to know more about your salvation and what that means, let me read you this verse. It's in Titus chapter 3, verse 5. It goes like this. He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. God saves you not because of your goodness, but because of his mercy through Jesus Christ. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, God forgives you and cleanses you and saves your soul. And the Bible refers to it this way, the washing of rebirth and renewal of the Holy Spirit. That's one thing explained two different ways. You're reborn, the Spirit of God washes you clean and renews you, makes you whole again. That's what God does for you. That, my friend, is your gift. It is a gift to you when you believe, when you put your faith in Jesus. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes, and for just a moment let me close this up. If you're here this morning and you need to put your faith in Christ, then do it right there where you sit. Right where you sit, you don't have to come forward or do anything, right there where you are. You make a decision. You know what? I believe this. I believe that Jesus loves me. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. I believe this. The Bible says that whosoever believes has eternal life. That's God's promise to you. I would love to sit down with you and talk about it more with you. And if you're here and have those questions, please, just come by and see me anytime. I'll be more than happy to talk with you. Our Heavenly Father, as we bow here before you this morning, Father, it is our prayer that as a church that you would not only set the appointments for us every day, the people around us that are hurting and lost, but Lord, it's also important that we see them. And that's my prayer, that we as your people, that your Holy Spirit would tell us as he did for Philip, that you would impress upon the need, you would stir our souls, and that we would reach out in whatever that need may be. If it's not salvation, then whatever. But that we would become your instruments. And we would keep the appointments that you have scheduled, those divine encounters that you have set aside for us to keep. Lord, help us to be that kind of people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.